Let's do this nice and tight, shall we? Let's do it. Where's the ding ding button? Well, that's not it. <laughs> Welcome, I'm Alan Girding, and this is the Tuesday Night Podcast, the podcast that is all about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, and even under the gaming table. And with me today, I have the Murtog to my rigs, Sean McCoy. Hey, I'm Murtog. Do you know the reference? Yeah, it's from um, Lethal Weapon. Yeah, so that's your Danny Glover, huh? I was trying to think of the line he says, which is, I'm getting too old for this shit, but I couldn't. And so I said, hey, I'm Murtog. That sounds like a good Dave Chappelle. That's probably because my voice is raspy and he smokes. So he's got that kind of like, I don't know. Uh, things are hot. Things are hot everywhere. But um, yeah, that's Dave Chappelle, man. That's really good. Your voice is much better, by the way, when we left off last time at the adventures of PAX Unplugged. So I'm glad to hear you have your voice back, Sean. Thank you. It took me about three days to get 80% capacity. And now I feel like I'm at like 98, but it's that last two or 3% that takes just weeks to get back. Sean, we don't have time to mess around because it's a zero episode. Now, Sean, allow me to ask, what is a zero episode? That's a great question, Alan. A zero episode is uh, an episode that ends in zero, 2050. What is this, 160 now? This is episode 160. And we just review or introduce new listeners to the podcast and our long-running jokes or what we're about. It's a great place to hop on if you haven't listened to the show before. So let's start from the top and get this over with. I've gone ahead and for the first time ever, I don't know why we haven't done this in the past, I made an agenda of all these little bullet points that I think let the new knaves know what our podcast is about. What's a knave, Sean? A knave is a listener. If you're listening to this podcast right now, congratulations, you're a knave. That's right, because it's the Tuesday night podcast spelled with a K, so we try to have that whole night theme. That's the name of our game company. We own and operate Tuesday night games. What are our games? Two Rooms and a Boom is what we're most famous for, which actually ran a couple nights ago. We could talk about that. World Championship Rush Roulette by Anthony Birch. That's Not Lemonade by Matt Fantastic. And now Mothership, the sci-fi horror role-playing game. That's right. And Dead Planet, the adventure module that goes along with Mothership. So I'm Alan Girding. I co-designed Two Rooms and a Boom with Sean. And we just bumble around, just the two of us, trying to get this company to work. And we're very fortunate. We have very kind people like the knaves listening to this, knaves, knights, and nobles alike. Sean, what's a knight? A knight is someone who has sent in an audio story for us to play on the podcast. It's just a great way of getting to know some of the stories that you make on or underneath your gaming table. Now, Sean, this is one that you always get wrong. What's a noble? Ah, a noble is a landed member of the nobility class that has a castle, 
land, as I said before, and dominion over. No, a noble is a guest, somebody who is a guest on the show. And it's spelled Knoble. Knoble. They're all spelled with case. Knave, knight, noble like. Cool. We also have a whole bunch of other people that come on the show regularly. For instance, if we can't make an episode because we're too busy in between conventions and whatnot, who do we have to cover our ass? That would be the B team, which is <laughs> William Anderson, Logan Jenkins, and the newest addition, which wasn't on the last B team episode, is Greg Leatherman, Dungeon Master Greg. Because <laughs> he's a dungeon master. We also have some regular knights that have contributed and that have also been nobles. Like we talk about Sir Weenie, who's a personal friend of ours. Ben Canellis, he's designed Red Scare, Bitten, some other games. And then Lindsay Rode is the person with whom I play Assassin. Sean, did you want to explain Assassin really quick if we talk about the Assassin game? Absolutely. Lindsay Rode's name is, is it Lady Buttface? <laughs> I say Buttface McGee. Buttface That's McGee. my affectionate name for her. Yes. Assassin is a game that you, Lindsay Rode, and Plat Hat Games star designer Isaac Vega play at conventions. And the rules are very simple, which is that when you arrive, the first person to attack the other person, basically, without being noticed, usually this means coming up from behind them and slitting their throats, wins. If you both see each other, it's a cat's game. So you want to see them without being seen to win. Yeah, well explained. Very well explained. We also have Sir Delton Brick. So editing's a big old ordeal for this because it's what we call a highly edited show in that we have segments and stings. And Are they stings or stingers? They're stings, aren't they? I know them as stingers when they're at the beginning and end of an episode. Gotcha. Well, our segments have different stings with different sounds, and it's a lot to edit. And so there's like pre-grooming that needs to happen. And one of our loyal knights, Sir Delton Brack, has stepped up, and he runs his own podcast, Malthouse Games. He edits many of the episodes. If in the episode I mention it was edited by Sir Delton Brack, that means he was a big participant. Fuck, I'm stumbling all over the place. I'm, I'm, I'm falling flat. I hate agendas, Sean. I hate... I hate agendas. Let it be known. I'm not a huge fan of zero episodes, but it's important to get them done. They're so repetitive and agenda-based. It's like I'm working for the man. I got those fluorescent lights over my head, just sucking the life out of me. I'm sitting behind the desk. I have the receptionist who hates me. She doesn't do anything for me, and no one respects me in the office, and TPS report covers, and... A failing marriage. I don't actually have any of those things, but... Uh, yeah, it was a pretty intense little play you had going on. I know, I know. It's just, that's how I feel about agendas. My personal hell, no joke, is a desk job. So if there is a hell and I go there for whatever reason, they're going to sit me behind a desk and it's going to be a nine to five job where I watch the clock and... And I swear it starts to move backwards. So I'm just there indefinitely. No creative space whatsoever. You're a creative too, Sean. I bet that sounds like a nightmare of your own as well. Maybe I'm speaking for both of us here. It is tough to be in any job where you're watching the clock. I worked at Starbucks for a long time and it was very difficult knowing you had scheduled hours or scheduled breaks. 
But I found for the creative part of me, a routine does help a lot. If I'm in the office between nine and five, I know when my time starts. I know when it ends. I know when I can take off because that's a big part of self-employment or freelancing is you're never really on, so you're never really off. So you can go see a movie in the middle of the day if you want or catch a long lunch with your friends, but that also means you end up working Saturday or Sunday. And so with a long-term girlfriend, serious relationship, all these sort of things, it's important to be able to say definitively, like, these are the hours when I'm at work and these are the hours when I'm not. Yeah, I think that is the beautiful thing about a nine-to-five job, which I don't have, neither of us have, is that at five o'clock, Pump, pump, punch out, and then not have to think about it at all after that. But I'm a psychology professor. That's how I make ends meet. And we run this company together. You are full-time Tuesday Night Games. You're a graphic designer extraordinaire and a creative. I mean, Mothership is your baby. If you get the main zine of Mothership, the art, the writing, the layout, that is all you, Sean. Oh, man. Hey, you know what we should do? Getting back to the structure... Let's talk about some of our segments that we have. Oh, we have we have a sponsor spot now. Sponsors, yay! Thank you for sponsoring us. Send us free stuff for money, and we'll talk about your stuff, but only if we like it. <laughs> that's right. We have been very fortunate to land a great sponsor that we actually really believe in, and that's the Game Crafter, which is a website where you can go and make a prototype of your own board game, card game, tabletop game. We've used them pretty much exclusively other than maybe a quick run to Staples or or Kinko's here and there to build the prototypes of our games. And we rely on them really heavily for being able to make high quality games quickly so that we can play test them. We used to do everything in-house going to Staples. Tuesday Night Games, our company, was spending so much money going to Staples, printing out all this stuff in color. Then we'd get the paper cutter, chunk, 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 chunk. And then it felt like factory work while we were putting these together. And it took so much time and so much money that we realized very quickly, once we started using the Game Crafter, it was saving us not only so much time, but also freaking money, which was ridiculous when we compared the numbers. That's insane. You know what I have on my little agenda here, possible topics to talk about Game Crafter, is that they have all these new components that are constantly coming out. And there's a game by Jason Glover, who does Grey Gnome Games. You know what I'm talking about, Sean? Yeah, my favorite is uh, Zargar's Gaze. Zogar's Gaze. Zogar's Gaze, which I can't find anymore, by the way. Yeah, he has a new updated version. You can't get the old one. Well, he has a game on GameCrafter right now, Zogar's Revenge. Zogar's Revenge is only a one-player game. I haven't played it yet, but I'm looking at it, and it has these gorgeous square chits, which makes me want to get the game just so I can check out those components in the GameCrafter and start thinking, what can we use these things for? (laughs) Ah. Great Gnome Games pretty much uses GameCrafter exclusively for their game publishing. They're probably most famous for Plague, which is their trick-taking game. They have a new sci-fi horror one, too, that looks really cool. It's a solitaire one. Yeah, sci-fi survival. Pretty cool stuff. Anyway, that was the sponsor spot. Sean. 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 What are some of your favorite segments, Sean? I think my favorite is Table Talk. Table talk is when we talk about the games we've been playing lately. You want to do a table talk? 
Absolutely, I can do a table talk. All right, let's do table talk. It's time for a table talk. Go on, sir. What have you been playing lately, Sean? I've been playing a few things. I played some Keyforge at PAX Unplugged. Oh, I love me some Keyforge. We should have a Keyforge episode. Don't let me interrupt, but we should save an entire episode for Keyforge. Absolutely, oh. Lucian. But the big thing I wanted to talk about was I actually ran a game of Two Rooms and a Boom the other night at my parents' white elephant Christmas party. Oh. For the uninitiated, Two Rooms and a Boom is our flagship game. It has hidden roles where six to 30 players are divided into two gaming areas, usually two rooms, and players are either given a red team card or a blue team card. Timed rounds, there's hostage exchanges, so players are switching rooms. At the end of the game, everyone reveals, President and Bomber are together, boom, President blows up, red team wins. If the blue president is in the opposite room of the red bomber, then blue team wins. All right, sorry, go on, sir. It's a zero episode, so maybe people don't know Two Rooms and a Boom. It's been a long time since I've actually run a game of Two Rooms and a Boom. I did a three-round game. I used only the vanilla characters, the president, the bomber, red and blue team. And it was for a decent-sized group. It was 12 people, so they could color share, card share, all that sort of stuff. It was for people at my church which I wasn't expecting because I thought it was just a white elephant with all these international students that my parents cater around, but it was actually them and their people from church. And so Lindsay and I had brought these white elephant gifts that were filled with like alcohol and condoms. <laughs> and we got there and we were like, oh, uh, these are not great for this. And so we were like, we're not playing. And everybody just basically swapped candles. Is that a euphemism for hot church sex? No, <laughs> I wish. No, it was literally just... I don't want to say it's boring, but it's the kind of gift you can get anyone, male or female, if you don't know them or do know them. It's just like, well, it's a candle or like chocolate. We got chocolates. Candles, I think, is almost an offensive gift to me. I know I'm being dumb and sensitive here. When someone gives me a candle for a Christmas gift, I think either A, it's just a placeholder gift, which in that context is totally acceptable. Like this is a gift that you're probably giving anyone. Or it's the equivalent of buying someone deodorant, because you're definitely telling them something when you give them a gift of deodorant. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. But my mom wanted to play Two Rooms at a Boom. She asked for a werewolf for her birthday last year, but she wanted to play Two Rooms at a Boom. And some of the people from my church were like, we should play. We never have enough people. You're always going. We, have, we don't have enough people. So we had enough people. So I ran it. Lindsay had only played once before. My parents had only played once before. And a lot of people there had never played it before. Lindsay, your lady friend, your partner, has never played Two Rooms in a Boom? She played it once like a year ago, and uh, she didn't really get it. But I found that for new players, either playing in a group of people who totally know what's going on can be really helpful because they can help you, or it can be totally alienating because they don't help you because they see you as not knowing what's going on and so just wasting their time. It's like coming to the chicken convention without your chicken. You're like, what? No one told me I was supposed to bring a chicken? Exactly. We had that sort of situation. So we played through a quick version, and now everybody sort of knew what was going on. They wanted to play again, so I threw in a survivor, victim, engineer, doctor sort of situation just to get them moving. I got to play in these games. It was one of the few times in a while, because it's rare for me to be able to do this, but I was able to mastermind a win, because by the second round, the rooms are divided into red team, blue team, and victim with the red team, survivor with the blue team. And so we had everybody in our room and I was able to quickly strategize like, here's what we're gonna do. Here's who we're gonna pretend the bomber is. And it worked out in our favor, but it was mostly because the blue team thought that by card sharing the doctor with the president, the president became immune to death at the end. So they're like, well, we can send the president everywhere. So after the game, I had to explain to them like, no, he just doesn't die. 
Doctors and engineers prevent fail states in the game, but they do not guarantee win states. So it was kind of funny. Well said, sir. Well said. But they liked it. And then afterwards, once they everybody was getting ready to go home, they wanted to know about the other cards in the game. So I showed them some of my favorites, like the drunk, uh, the leprechaun, the hot potato, which really opened their minds. Oh, the spies and the koi boys, really, which really opened their minds to like how the game could grow. But it was really successful and really fun. And it was good to see six years after the game had been designed that one, I still remember how the basics work. Uh, <laughs> And two, I remember our first Origins, you and I were demoing games back to back all night long, every day, after work in the booth all day, by ourselves. We had a little bit of help here and there. You did most of the work demoing as per usual, but it was probably the closest to an even split of demoing the games we've ever had in the history of our company was that first Origins. And being in the zone and knowing how to sell it, knowing what jokes to hit, knowing what roles to put in, and that was when we were really in the ship. That was our only game. So we were living, breathing, and dying terms in a boom. Yeah, just to put perspective on it, we had to work the booth from 10 until 6. So 10 in the morning till 6 p.m. And then we started running two rooms in a boom games. At 7 o'clock, we wanted people to like our game. So if anyone said, what's this game? Because no one had heard of it until then. Of course, we didn't want to miss a single opportunity for anyone to try two rooms in a boom. So we literally would run from our booth, shutting it down to get into the area which we were demoing the game. And then we would do that until two in the morning, getting just very few hours of sleep to wake up and just do it again the next day. It was insane. We were so young. And I think the hardest part about running a company was trying to find that sense of urgency as we get older, that, that sort of, they call it stay hungry. But it's never the same as your first game. And people who can keep that same sense of hunger, I think, could go really far in this industry because it really helped. It really helped that we were ready to throw down whenever. So I was glad this far along in the life of the game, I was still able to hit a lot of those same jokes, a lot of those same selling points to a fresh crowd of non-gamers. And they had a great time. And it took half an hour. It was a lot of fun. Us. Look at us. We're so famous. <laughs> we made a good game. <laughs> What's your favorite segment? My favorite segment is definitely interaction satisfaction. Howdy. It's time for interaction satisfaction. Shoot us your emails, your comments, or your questions. We'll do our best to answer them. This is Interaction Satisfaction, where we just read all of the emails that we can, comments, questions, whatever, that you send to podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. Oh, who is that, Sean? That's Captain Chessbeard. He is our pirate compatriot who sails along the vessel Tuesday Night Podcast on our voyage across the <laughs> internet <laughs> airwaves. <laughs> Um, and he keeps us largely on time. That's his big thing. He doesn't like it when we run late and he might say something like, You're a jellyfish bone lamb lover, Sean McCoy. Exactly like that. Yeah, what a dick. Yep, yep. It's funny because he's actually mentioned in the email I'm reading this episode just as a little sampler. This email comes from Kelly Cadnam. Kelly Cadnam writes, Loyal Knave here. Quick couple of questions. Why have the episodes been released on Wednesday nights instead of Tuesday nights as of late? 
Also, I'm considering doing a Nave Tonight submission. Any suggestions? Keep up the great work. More chest beard, please. Kelly Cadnum. Oh, Captain Chestbeard got a shout out in an email. <laughs> okay, cool. Wow, there's those are two very different questions. Which one should we tackle first, Sean? I think the first thing is talking about the, our new release schedule. I think that is very important. Here's the reality. A lot of times, Delton Brack isn't available to edit, but even when he is, there's still some post-edits, these late-game ones where you throw in some sound effects, whatever. But when we go to conventions... We are there until Sunday night. Now, let's think about that. If we're to release the episode on Tuesday night and we were to record something on the road or at the con, which we did just last episode, episode 159 was all about PAX Unplugged in Philadelphia. That means we have less than 48 hours to get that edited up to snuff and then out to everyone. That is not taking into consideration how freaking tired, sore, and just unable to do any of that work we are able to do. I also have my full-time gig teaching psychology. When I get back, I have to jump right into the classroom, so that only leaves me a few hours every night to dabble in the editing. But I spend at least three hours editing. Sir Delton Brack saves us so much time, but that's even with the amount of time Sir Delton Brack is saving us. Then, this is embarrassing, I really don't like talking about this stuff, but I'm, I'm gonna be completely transparent. I have a standing desk because I have a chronic herniated disc in my back, and the biggest quality of life improvement for me was moving to standing desks. So while I'm editing, and even as I'm talking to you right now, Sean, you know what I'm doing? You are standing up at your desk, jerking off. Yes, but they don't need to know the second half. I was going to let them know some things, not everything, Sean. <laughs> Gentlemen don't reveal all of their secrets, Sean. Anyway, because I do standing desks all the time at work, at home, and I'm standing all the time, and even at the conventions, I developed a good sense of plantar fasciitis. And so the doctor basically told me, yeah, you, uh... You can't stand up for that long without taking a break and sitting down. I feel like I can't win sometimes because I got a bad back, so I have to stand up. So I keep standing up, and then I get plantar fasciitis. This is ridiculous. So I'll be editing the podcast, and all of a sudden my dogs will start barking. And by that I mean my plantar fasciitis will start really acting up. Which, if you don't know what plantar fasciitis is, basically think of your skeleton foot, and you have that really bony heel there's a spider web of tissue that just shoots from your heel and then goes to the ball of your foot. And that's actually the bottom of your foot. So if you massage the bottom of your foot or someone who can sense foot, you will feel that it's very padded and there's no bone there. It's just all tissue. Well, plantar fasciitis is the inflammation of that tissue and it's usually right where it connects to the heel. So now I have like foot rollers and foot braces and embarrassingly, I have to wear a boot when I go to sleep. You saw that when we were shacking it up together during the cons, I had to put on this big pathetic boot. We call it sleep boot. <laughs> sleep boot. All of that just to say that I can't edit at my standing desk straight through the hours anymore. I have to take a break. So that means there's almost no time. So I started releasing them on Wednesday, but then uh, our social media manager, Elijah, pointed out, you should have a really consistent time that you release the podcast. And ideally it should be in the mornings 
because that's when people wanna listen to it first thing on the morning commute. So there's no way that I can have it on Tuesday mornings, and I just explained why I've been struggling to get it out at Tuesday night. So when's our regular release time, Sean? It's gonna be Thursday morning now? That is correct, sir. That is what Elijah advised. So every Thursday morning, six o'clock Eastern Standard Time, you should be getting one of these episodes. And that's big news. And I know that sounds ridiculous, Kelly. I'm sorry, because I know it's called the Tuesday Night Podcast, and it's coming out on Thursday mornings. Sorry. I think we'll get better as time goes on. We'll run a Patreon. We'll have a more consistent editor. We'll sort of get ahead of the curve. But I think for now, it's best to be honest about where we are as a show rather than keep trying to catch up. Yeah. Better to just stay on top of it than constantly apologizing and be inconsistent. Couldn't do it tonight. Maybe tomorrow. Oh, maybe next time. Kelly's other question, though, she's considering Nave Tonight submission. Any suggestions for Nave Tonight submission? Sean, you have any pro tips? The big thing I love is just talking about something that had to do with a game. Doesn't have to be an experience playing a game. Could be an old game you loved as a kid or how, you know, playing Battleship on family vacations brought you close together with your brother. It can be gaming related, but tangentially so. It doesn't have to be about the game itself. It could just be, like we say, on, around, or under your table. It only has to be one to five minutes long, too, and there's no pressure to uh, make it so it's highly edited. You just leave that up to us. We have yet to receive a really, really awful Nave Tonight submission, and I almost want to put that challenge out there. Maybe you could be the person who sends the worst one where we say, wow, that audio quality was horrible. Did my friend Reese ever turn in one? Yes, he did, Sean. Yeah, keep your pants on. That's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to knight someone. Here's the other advice I would say for the Nave Knights mission. If you have a smartphone, you already have all the technology that you need to submit a quality Nave Tonight submission because I don't know of a smartphone that doesn't have audio notes. You just hit the record button, start talking, and then every program that I've seen on any smartphone, whether you're Android or iOS, has that little forward button where you just go ahead and you forward and you send it in to our email address, podcast at tuesdaynightgames.com. Thanks, Chessbeard. Oh, here's another little pro tip. If you're worried about your peas popping, you can just either make sure you're not talking directly into the mic and hold it slightly to your side. It's weird. Imagine that you're talking through your cheek instead of your mouth, and that may prevent some of the peas from popping. Or just put a sock on it, or you get an actual pop filter that goes on top of a regular mic and just put that right over the edge of your phone like it's some condom. And condoms mentioned more than once in an episode. Whoa! Ding, 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 ding. We've won the condom. (laughs) Sorry. Should we go to the Nave Tonight's mission then? Let's do it. So you know this gentleman, and he knows you because this Nave Tonight's mission is about mothership. G'day, everybody. My name is Reese. I ran mothership at Pax Oz a couple of weeks ago. And the following will contain spoilers for the adventure Dead Planet by Uncle Don, Daddy Fiona, and Sean McCoy. So I had four players in my game, a scientist, a teamster, a marine, and an android, and unfortunately Whilst the scientist and the marine died a glorious death, 
the uh, story that I will be telling will only contain the Teamster and the Android. They made their way onto a derelict ship they had found called the Alexis, and after discovering some truly fucking horrific things on board, they made their way to the cockpit where they found two androids, one named Panda, who they then decided to take advantage of when the power had gone out of the ship, some weird electromagnetic pulse. And the androids had gone down. They decided to hack into Panda and upload their androids memory and override everything on Panda and basically make themselves a second copy of their android, Franklin. So we had Franklin Alpha and Franklin Beta. Franklin Alpha and the Teamster then went off and split away from the party to inspect some stuff in the engine room to find out what was going on. And after finding some weird cords attached to the jump drive, they decided to investigate a little bit when all of a sudden the cords that were attached to the jump drive were ripped out and went down through the substructure of the ship itself. They decided that this was probably a bad sign, especially because they could hear some screaming and gunshots in the room adjacent to them. And decided that maybe it was best to get off the Alexis. So the minor repairs that they had done, they decided to take advantage of and managed to get the positioning thrusters of the ship working, where they then pressure docked with their own ship and escaped through the top hatch. while the rest of the crew, the scientist and the marine and Franklin Bader tried to take care of the monstrosity that is known as an Alpha Gaunt. Macker and Franklin, the Teamster and the Android respectively, and this is Franklin Alpha still, had managed to return to their own ship, the Lucifer One, where they then decided that the screaming and murdery sounds they heard they weren't a huge fans of, so it was probably best for them to get the fuck out of Dodge. They begin to move away from the ship when they saw Franklin Bader moving around the outside of the Alexis. Franklin Alpha looks Franklin Bader dead in the eyes and says, there can only be one, and guns the engines. Franklin Bader jumps at the last second to try to reach onto the ship. <gasps> narrowly misses it and spends eternity floating in the void of space. Wow, that's pretty awesome. You did a great job with the sound effects, too. Oh, thanks, man. Uh, I, I love how it just ends. And just to make sure, I emailed Mr. Nave Reese Carter back and asked, hey, was that the entire thing? Because it ended with the android just floating off into space. Is that how you intended it? Absolutely, yes, that is how it ends. Just this nightmare situation. 
But I thought it was a great look into what sci-fi horror should be. You are just functioning on survival mode and you could totally investigate what those noises are if you wanted to, or you could live. So it's <laughs> a great example, I thought. Reese is a phenomenal warden, which means he runs games out in public at conventions or at his FLGS that anyone can join. He's a great play tester. And he and I met being judges on the Ennies together at Gen Con 2018. Oh, I didn't know that. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, does Knave Reese deserve to become Sir Knight Reese? I think we should call him Sir Upside Down. Why is that? If you couldn't tell, he is Australian. So he said Pax Oz, the Pax Australia. And uh, he's constantly referring to his place as being in the upside down, like in Stranger Things. Oh, cool. So So there definitely is that personal connection to that's great. And if he doesn't like the title, he can go ahead and contact us, podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com and request us to knight him with a different name. But for now, I'm totally cool with Sir Upside Down. You ready for this? Hit it. Knave, approach we nobles and kneel to allow us to honor thee. We, on behalf of all knaves, knights, and nobles alike, applaud thine heroic and knightly contribution to this, the Tuesday Night Pod Castle. Allow us to dub thee Sir Upside Down of the Tuesday Night Podcast. Now rise, rise, Sir Upside Down, as the newest knight of the Tuesday Night Gaming Table. Yay! <laughs> oh, man. Things we didn't cover that maybe some new listeners should know is that originally we had the host SBJ and he would go ahead and kick off all of our elevator pitches, which were the quick one minute snippets. We don't have time to do one right now, which is a little bit ironic considering the really quick one minute shticks where we try to explain the soul of a game in that elevator ride. So you'll hear us say, ding us SBJ, and that is in reference to the original host of the Tuesday Night Podcast, SBJ. He's no longer with us because he died. He got eaten by a polar bear, very, very sad. Yeah, and it actually wasn't the bite that killed him. It was the fact that the bite burrowed a hole and it was getting infected and there was some spiders that laid eggs in the infection and so his leg exploded into a whole hive of spiders that ate him alive. That's actually... And we told him, get it checked out. Those spiders look pretty bad. And he was like, nah, you know, my insurance is kind of wonky. I'll get it checked out later. And we're like, are you sure, man? One of those spiders just spray painted fuck you on your own leg. It seems pretty malignant. And he was like, ah, it'll be fine. I'll have some penicillin and be over with. And he didn't get it taken care of, so... Exactly. Or he's too busy running his podcast, It's Super Effective. One of those two stories is true. That is a game in of itself. Which one was the real story of what happened to SBJ? I don't know. Maybe you'll figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What else did we talk about? Uh, We didn't talk about upcoming shows that we have going on. Uh, I've got Weekend Werewolf tickets are coming to Ravenwood Castle next week, I believe. (laughs) Oh, this is in March. Ravenwood Castle is this castle in Ohio where people come, and you mentioned Two Rooms and a Boom and Werewolf is what your mom requested on Christmas. Imagine a whole weekend reality show of Werewolf 
where you could be part of the reality show. It's not actually televised, but think of it that way, where you vote people out in reality shows. Well, in this one, you vote for people to be hanged because you suspect them as being werewolves. Anyway, you don't actually hang them. This is all a game thing. But we, what else didn't we talk about? We didn't talk about topic time, which is where we get a topic of the episode. That's another little segment we do. And I think that's it, besides the fact that if you're looking for a board game review show, you're listening to the wrong podcast, because we want stories and questions and comments and concerns. I think that should do it, Sean. You think people feel like they could catch up and they know us a little bit better having listened to this Zero episode? I feel like by the end of this episode, you should know whether you think this show is worth your time or not. And for me, the answer is absolutely it is not. Yeah, I am a bigger fan of knaves, knights, and nobles than they are of me for sure. Because I don't know how, I don't know how I could listen to this. <laughs> it's great. But thank you so much for listening. And we end every episode in the exact same way. Make sure you check us on all social media, which is at PlayTKG. What's your favorite social media, Sean? You a Twitbook? Are you a Instachat dude? Which one do you use? I'm definitely a Twitbook person. You can reach me on Twitter at, at Sean McCoy. That's S-E-A-N-M-C-C-O-Y. Also, if you really want to help us, besides sending in your comments, questions, concerns, or nave tonight's missions at podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com, you can review us on iTunes. It's the best thing you could possibly do. Uh, I think with that being said, Sean, this episode is... I'm finished. Uh, I'm rich, bitch. (laughs) That was pretty good. That was really good.